0: And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi for Me Radio is Live from the Bunker. Does it,
1: does it look like it's working? Does it look like it's working? Alright, I have switched the uh I have switched the overhead Batcave camera. Hopefully it'll handle the new HD 1080 settings a little bit better than the old one. So we'll see. Good afternoon, everybody. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. sci scifi sci me TV, Sci-Fi for Me Radio, which you can find on various different podcast platforms. But if you do listen to us, those of you in Germany and in Poland and in, in, in uh, Australia and in Japan and France and Spain, wherever you are listening, uh, we do invite you to check out the live video. We're broadcasting to YouTube, Facebook and Odyssey. And eventually it'll port over to Rumble. So we're all on all those places, too. So, OK, we are. Uh, on a new schedule, Monday through open line Friday, is how I'm characterizing it, uh, because uh, we want to give you more of what you like, and I guess you like this show. I don't know. Okay, so our goal today is to uh, is to it, match or beat the <laughs> view count on Chicken City. I guess is what I'm told we're going to be doing, and and we're going to do that with uh, we're going to do that with talk about money and it looks like everything just froze we're buffering well okay okay there it is everybody's here (laughs) i don't know what's gonna i think i know what's happening is because i have everybody dialed in on zoom but i've got two different zoom sessions because i got all of you guys together in one and then i have the single shots so (laughs) let's go through real quick and introduce everybody. and and then i'll I'll get rid of that one because I think we're choking bandwidth, even even with the the new. <coughs> website. So joining me today as our our usual panel of uh, of suspicious suspects. Uh, Dan Danford, Matthew Stevens, and Culture Casino, all of them are, uh, are all of them are business minded. so we have uh, we have them in talking about various different things. Uh, Dan is the CEO of Family Investment Center. Uh, Matthew is an independent ed, uh, investment advisor. Culture is just the bearded wonder, and we have to bring him on because, you know, because of the weave. <laughs> wow, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Welcome,
1: Appreciate gentlemen. We, we do have a full plate. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, I don't even know where to start. Now, Culture, you shared uh, this morning an article from Zero Hedge about the whole Disney thing. And I want to get into that a little bit later on because it does kind of summarize pretty cleanly everything that's, that's been going on over there. But yeah. this, this was breaking uh, earlier today. Let me, uh, let me pull this up here. TikTok is going to be pulling in IMDB data. Oh. Uh, for feature targeting film and TV content, and I have not been able to do this. this is Hollywood reporter. this article broke this morning. TikTok is licensing data from IMDB. Now those of you who don't know, IMDB is yeah. the Amazon. online database for you know movies and television credits and right. sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not. And yes, they're owned by Amazon now as culture pointed out. And this is going to be interesting to see what kind of data TikTok is going to get. You know, uh, make it easier for users to search for content related to a specific film or TV title and see relevant data about the work, such as its cast and release date, on a dedicated in-app page. So it sounds like when you're in the TikTok app, you'll be able to look up IMDb information. Oh, hey, there's this... There's this movie I'm watching. There's this show, you know, this this actor's TikTok. I want to look him up on IMDb is what it sounds like it's going to be. I wonder how much access TikTok is going to get on the back end, underneath all
3: of that. And that all depends on how the API is constructed, right, and and, and what level of access they allow for that kind of a dive. But, again, you have to consider TikTok is the Chinese government. So I would have very, very large amounts, and and I do, uh, of apprehension. When it comes to utilizing either of these things now, because I will just consider both of them somewhat corrupt. Yeah. Of course, I already knew TikTok was corrupt. I mean, we have governments deciding. Ah, you know what? You can't put this on your device because you know it's spyware. But yet, you know, you can let the average citizen use it, and you're going to incorporate it into, let's say, large, the, one of the largest entities in the world. You know, just to give you know the Chinese backdoor access to that.
1: Yeah, that's that to me is. I don't. I don't. I won't go as far as to say it's alarming yet, but it could be. I think, uh, like you said, it depends on how much they get. You know, as far as the the overall amount of data that they have access to. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I think it's going to be problematic at best. Shall we say?
3: I don't know. It's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm interested in what our other two panelists say here. <laughs>
2: Well, it's, it's not like um, high-quality personal data. I mean, you're talking movies and TVs and the casts and that kind of thing. So I guess it doesn't alarm me as much as some might. But also, um, you know, it, it, it enlarges TikTok, right? And uh, any time you're enlarging TikTok, that's problematic since we know of its ties to the Chinese government. So um, I, I, I'd say it's concerning somewhat.
0: That would, I think, it would bring in a uh, different group of viewers. So Yeah, that's uh, uh, i I'd, I'd be tempted to sign up for it, except no, I won't.
3: I have to, I have to. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, at, at this point, but see, th- this is the thing with the data farm that concerns, yeah. them, is that now you're giving even more insight into the individual people. So now you have a TikTok profile, right, right. of this person. Then you're adding their. Entertainment stuff and to what depth can they go beyond that? Because I know that Megacorps, right, you know, they always integrate as much as they possibly can upwards and downwards So that they they can, you know, take advantages of the synergies and everything else that exists throughout their organization It, it eliminates a lot of overhead because you can, you, you know, re- remove redundancy so when you when you do that and you look you look at what information could be there because we don't know to what extent this data is being shared how much insight are they getting into what Amazon's doing otherwise see this is this is the problem and the minute you start to integrate more and more systems together with again a government because no matter what and most people need to understand when you do business with a Chinese Corp you're doing business with the with China you're doing Absolutely. business with the CCP. Yeah. You, you have to grasp that, most people don't. So it, it, that's the biggest concern that I have is just how much depth that information is, even if it's just limited, as, 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 as Dan suggests. Uh, even if it's just limited to sure. you know, your entertainment selections and the things that you're interested in in your, your reviews of entertainment, that's still another data point or set of data points that it further expand what this country knows about you. That's a problem. I have a big problem with data mining to begin with, but that's an entirely right. other. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that it's a it's a slippery slope. As soon as you give somebody access to one thing, they have access to a lot of other things and when governments get involved but you know, as we've seen it's not just china we have to worry about as far as the government goes i mean all of the all the stuff dropping on twitter i mean our own government is spying on us and and trying to censor us and do all sorts of nefarious things as well if if we're not saying the right things you know all hail our google lords and masters right
3: thanks mama susan
2: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, a lot of, a, a lot, I think the Twitter stuff is just stunning. Uh, and I know it hasn't gotten, I mean, it does get coverage and people are reading about it and stuff, but um, it hasn't created a level of alarm that I sort of internally feel about it. I mean, you know, I, I just, the, the idea that the CIA and the FBI are collaborating with Twitter to control what's on there, or that Adam Schiff is trying to remove his opponents from the, from the platform. I mean, that, that's, that stuff is stunning to me. And um, although we have not seen the level of alarm that I thought we might, I, I think it's still early to weigh what the uh, actual consequences are going to be. And I, I think they're going to be substantial.
1: Yeah. Well, once the once the house gets its act together and figures out who a speaker is going to be, then maybe we'll get some committees
3: start to look into this stuff. <laughs> maybe, but. maybe. Wait, wait, can I jump in on just that part of what you said? Because <laughs> yeah. I think actually that's beneficial to all of us right. here in the United States. The longer they don't do anything, the better we are off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, although I did
1: see I did see somebody point out this morning that the the debates to figure out uh, the the leader of the house have has taken longer than any debate for uh, money to Ukraine or the omnibus bill or any kind of a spending measure or anything like that, which I think is kind of telling. So, well, well, it is. I think, Go ahead. Yeah.
2: Sorry, again. Well, no, I, I think the interesting thing is, and, and people are saying this in Congress and critics of Congress, is that we no longer have debate over even funding bills. I mean, basically what you do <laughs> is you build a package that, that, that you want and then you find a way to force it through the system without having any debate or anything. And that's been going on for a number of years now. Mm -hmm. But we are not having robust debates about budgets and stuff like that at all in Congress anymore.
1: Well, and I've complained about, for a number of years, the fact that the House of Representatives has not delivered a budget as is mandated in the Constitution.
2: Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
3: But, you know, that's that's just... (laughs) piddling stuff. You know? I have yes. problems, and I always have, with omnibus omnibus bills, and that's how these budget packages are passed. And they wait until okay. the last possible moment, the time at which you know the government will have to go into its you know freeze, uh, where nobody gets paid, and you have to do special overrides to make sure that social security recipients get their checks and stuff like that. I would rather they do that forever, than pass a four thousand page bill. That nobody's had time to read. Yeah, it's a problem.
1: Yes, indeed, there is.
0: That. All laws are written by lobbyists, so they, they come in to explain. They are, that's and
3: that's true and, too. That's, and, that's, and that's the other problem, right? You, 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 you don't even hand it off to your staff anymore. And by the way, staff for for folks that work in the House and the Senate, those have exploded, right? To get more people on the government payroll. I have a huge problem with that as well. I'm like, you realize. You know, people used to go to, you know, Congress on a horse, ride right, for a few <laughs> days and get there, you know, stopping in towns along the way. Yeah. They'd get there and they'd work for the course of a few weeks and then they would turn, you know, return back to their farms, their law practices, their doctors, practice, you know, et cetera, et cetera, It wasn't a full-time gig. It's not supposed to be a full-time gig and you shouldn't be paid for it. I'm sorry, this is civil service. You shouldn't be given a salary for it. There is no reason to have people living in D.C. Right, the only people that need to be present in DC are the people that secure, you know, the things that are in DC. You yeah, know? and that's it. You know, DC could be nothing more than a tourist venture. Nobody should live there. It should never be considered a state. And first of all, it would be illegal to make it a state. So I'm tired of hearing that argument. <laughs> 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 all right, let me interrupt
1: for just a moment since we are talking money. RM oh, <laughs> has just uh, given us a dollar ninety nine uh, super chat. Say hello, uh, hello, gents. Hi, culture. Happy New Year. So I guess I guess she's mm-hmm. saying Happy New Year to you and not to the rest of us. And that's fine. <laughs> well, well, Happy New Year. Thank you. Uh, she can be seen as part of the Midnight's Edge crowd. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, and I've seen I've seen her in other shows, different places. Okay. So I'm not sure all of the different places where you can find her, but she's she's around. And I know she's on Midnight's Edge, but yeah, um, but always good to to see her on on various different channels. She has some interesting insights to share. I'm curious about the um the the the, the origin of her username so <laughs> anyway uh, all right hopefully hopefully that's not an emergency danny that's <laughs> hope
2: this. they'll call back we'll see Fix this, it was kind of an emergency but uh, we'll see well hey oh, no, you cool. need
1: if you need to <laughs> if you need to take care of that then you know. yeah all right so um uh, uh says uh those are two contrary contradictory positions congressman should re- said have the stability excuse me congressman should have the ability to read bills uh cm shouldn't have a staff it's the staff of the congressman that read the bills to inform the cm uh cm i'm not sure who is oh i guess did we lose did we lose yeah. uh, we lost dan
3: okay i think so yeah Go back
1: to the three box. Let me let me <laughs> see. Oh wait! Oh, he's nope. back. There, Whoa, is he there? He, there he is. He's back. All right. uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> he's back, and now we can't hear him.
2: Uh, I'm back. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> okay. <All
1: right. laughs> uh, anyway, but yeah, it's it's um, it's interesting to to see just how how our social media compromises us, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the other one that popped up, uh, and Mindy, Mindy pointed this one out to me. Uh, was this yesterday you gave me this one? This uh, this story about the University of California. All right, so I I didn't send this one to you. We we haven't even touched the list of of links that I sent to everybody to talk about. But this is this is kind of breaking stuff. University of California is giving four billion dollars to Blackstone.
3: <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, this offsets, you know, the efforts by other entities to limit their influence and get them to change direction. I think that may be part of what's going on here. Um, maybe you guys have a different take.
0: I read about that. Uh, they put certain restrictions on how they can liquidate, which I've never seen that before, out a black route. Yeah.
2: So in that particular so fund, deal. ordinarily you, you could liquidate every month but this agreement with the University of California it requires you to stay in the fund for six years. Um, and, uh, you know, $4 billion is a big chunk of change. Uh, I don't care who you are or where you are. So they're also, you know, they're getting some concessions as well. So um, it's probably a good deal for both. It's a weird, I mean, it's a, it's a real estate fund. And
3: mm-hmm. they're
2: basically sort of guaranteeing a return of between you know, like 11 and 12% a year. So if, if it goes above 12% a year, it, it's, it's, it's actually set up like a hedge fund. So if it goes, goes above 12% in a year, then BlackRock gets a 5% bonus on their management of this thing, which is, you know, an incredible amount of money. If it's below that, then I guess BlackRock guarantees the University of California uh, some kind of return or something. So it's a pretty special deal. It's not something that any of us could buy into without $4 billion. Well,
1: what I'm wondering is where the University of California has $4 billion to spare that they could do something like this. Uh, I probably mean, their endowments?
3: Billion? Or, uh, yeah. Billion? Yeah,
2: that's, oh. That's, you, you, that's you, crazy. No, yeah, that's not uncommon for a huge university.
3: Yeah, Stanford has got that rolling around in their couch cushion. Yeah,
2: Yeah. exactly. And, you know, there are people who occasionally, uh, you know, opinionate that, you know, there's all this government money that flows into all these universities and stuff that maybe they ought to be spending some of their endowment money Mm -hmm. uh, rather than uh, the, the kinds of things that they are. But that's the system we're in right now. And I suspect, I mean, this is another whole discussion, which is, you know, higher education. But my guess is it's going to be the haves and the have nots. And there's going to be a lot of universities and stuff that are going to shake out here over the next 10 or 15 years because there just isn't a population to support it. Like there used to be. Um, and and these big universities are probably going to survive and a lot of the smaller ones probably are not.
0: Of course the, uh, Student loan bailout is really just bailing out the universities and allowing them to continue uh, adding staff,
3: probably not teachers. And it's illegal. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, There's it always is. that. But when has that stopped us before? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's just, but it's important to continue to point it out. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm going to yeah. keep saying these. this is blatantly illegal. Yeah. These ideas are illegal. You cannot do them. They yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and if uh, if anybody is paying attention, it looks like the, the, the House is voting for the seventh time and they're still not near any kind of a decision there. So I think
3: yeah. worried about that. <laughs> Seven, the seventh failure in a row for, uh, McCarthy, look, this just tells you, you know, and the numbers kept creeping up, right? 19, 20, 21, with each consecutive vote, this tells you something. We don't want this guy. We yeah. want actual new leadership. And the, the people that are, you know, flipping in favor, that's, that should tell you who they are aligning with and what kind of deal they just tried to cut in order to, you know, secure a position in a, in a, in a particular um, yeah. posting, et cetera, et cetera. Because, I mean, it's all about where the position you are in, in, in a given committee. And normally, you know, when you're working your way up as a congressman, you are in like, you know, you know Fred's basement committee to yeah. start off yeah. with. And you have to go 12 years before you make it into something substantive. And you have to have had played ball the entire way. You know, there's a reason why we replace certain groups of humans regularly and at certain intervals in our representative republic, and I'm, I'm a big fan of of cycling through humans because that means that these committees are going to get newer ideas from people that you know just came in, rather than having this old guard that hangs around like Nancy Pelosi and others who spend 60 years of their life in government and really. Are completely disassociated from even their own districts or where, you know, whatever their representative area is. Yeah, that bothers me. Yeah. So. I think shuffling humans out more often is a better way to go. I'd love to have term limits, but they're never going to vote for their own demise, kids. <laughs> yeah, really yeah. Nice.
1: Uh, yeah. I see Parrothead yeah. joining us in the chat. Hello to see, uh, Hello to you and Captain Fandom Nerd dropping in. Uh, now, speaking of shuffling off uh, people replacing other people, let's start there, because uh, there was this article that kind of wrapped up pretty cleanly um, oh wait, where did it go? The Zero Hedge, did I, did I not put it up? I didn't, I didn't uh, bring it up. Anyway, Zero Hedge has an article over there uh, with a very uh, concise summary of how Disney got to where they are right now with the Bob Chapek, Bob Iger thing and uh, the FT. the suspicion that FTX. One thing that, that I think is interesting about that particular article ...is the fact that they say, well, we're not exactly sure what, you know, what Disney's connection is to uh, FTX. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. We, we even pointed that out with the Polygon crypto. Yeah. Um, because Polygon, uh. Polygon is what Disney got into, and Disney was, Disney was big into the, uh, you know, the FTX was, was part of the Polygon deal... But this, uh, this article goes through and summarizes pretty, pretty accurate, pretty concisely all of the different things going all the way back to 2015 when Bob Iger started spending money like a drunk Democrat buying up all of these different properties, Marvel and Pixar and that kind of thing. But what's interesting here is he lists YouTubers who have done a good job, he says, of covering this thing, and we're not on this list
3: well we should be <laughs> but we've we've done some pretty good coverage i'll say that especially over on midnight's edge you know so i've, I've been on a few of those where we've talked about this stuff and you have to be very careful yeah. depending on the platform you are on how you discuss these things but we know this as as is as has been reported from some people inside disney that disney has forbidden people to make any association between them and FTX yeah there's and they they will they will boot you
1: yeah, that's a, that's a memo that went out. Cameron Pasha reported on that. Uh, basically said, cause, And and that came after Kevin O'Leary was on CNBC and let drop that Iger is a big investor in FTX. And Disney was like, nobody talk about this. Nobody talk about this. Well, Shh, that's going to tell you
2: right it. off the bat. If they're telling you not to say, mm-hmm. that tells you what you need to know, right?
1: Yep. Yep, right. I would suspect so. Because... I guess.
0: You know, saw I, that they uh, wanted to petition the court to withhold two names. Yeah, it that... if it might be some of the people we just talked about.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm
0: uh, sure. Two, as far as signing off on the bail,
1: yeah, well, yeah, and two and guarantors. <laughs> yes, and on okay. the and on the FTX side of things, with Sam Bankman-Fried coming in for the trial, I f- I saw an article and I can't find it to save my life now. But apparently, this this polyamorous relationship that he had with the other people in the group is, is defined... I, I learned a new word this week, polycule. And apparently a polycule counts as some kind of a civil union marriage type of thing. So the other two people who have been cooperating with the courts now are not allowed or not able to testify oh, against Sam no, Bakeman Freed they, because no, they, they're considered spouses.
3: They actually yeah. can't be compelled to. It doesn't mean that they won't, because yeah. if they don't, it will go against their plea agreement deal.
2: <laughs> yeah, they've already they've already agreed. Yeah. Right. And, and they also, there was a story this morning I read that said that the, the attorney... For the group ftx had been cooperating for the last six weeks as well that was sort of new information um, but this
1: this article that i found yeah. said that the judge had ruled that this was a polycule uh, a polycule yeah. relationship thing and so the the what you normally would apply with spouses applies to this one i thought that was an interesting ruling <laughs> So yeah. well, that, could, that could bite like somebody in the back pretty quick. They've already
2: testified against him, though. I mean, that's, that's the grand The
3: testimony is, is over with. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. I, think, I think he basically the reason he pled not guilty is not because, you know, they can't already prove because yeah. I think they can already prove. But I, I, my suspicion is he's going to hold out and see if he can't do a better plea deal than what they're already offering him yeah. would be my guess. But I I don't think there's any, it looks to me like they've already got all the goods on him they need. Um, This is just a a stalling technique or whatever. Um, I mean, he could go to trial, but, you know, uh, these federal cases with federal prosecutors, especially in this district of New York, it's like a 99.9% conviction rate. I mean, this is not not where you want to go to bat and see if you can beat them, (laughs) because you usually can't.
1: Well, and, and the other part of it, too, is I, I think that I, I made I made the prediction the other day, uh, mo- uh, Tuesday night during the H2O podcast. I don't anticipate that this is going to go to trial because I don't think he's going to be alive that long.
3: No. Oh, you... Uh, <laughs> I, I say,
1: I are by June. <laughs>
3: Okay, I like that one.
1: I mean, that's um, that that's that's my prediction. I don't I don't know if I'm right. I, pro, I maybe I'm not, but yeah, that's uh that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. But that's just me. I yeah. Know. We'll see. Pure speculation, Mama yeah. Susan.
3: <laughs> well, so it's an, it, it's yeah, you're giving you're giving an opinion. Um yeah, I mean there I mean there's a lot of wonderful terms for it. <laughs> uh, well, I, 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 I think you're probably right. Um, I, I don't know that there's a sweetheart enough deal to get him to keep his mouth closed. The only person who's been able to manage that super sweetheart maneuver has been Glazane. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and we know that that the only the only reason that went to trial was so could they so they could seal
3: the book. Yeah, except that I have a feeling that you can seal that book three ways to Sunday. That lots of people still have that book. I'm sure. I'm
1: sure. There's got to be there's got to be a pretty compelling reason why it hasn't come out yet.
3: Oh, I, I I I I strongly I strongly uh I strongly believe that Elon might be able to give us some insight.
1: <laughs> yeah. That that'll be that'll be an interesting drop, won't it? Yep. Okay, so FTX is not the only crypto uh, issue that's been out there. We've got this other this other thing here. This is, uh, this is over on CryptoBullsClub.com. In an open letter, Gemini lashes out against DCG in public. Cameron Winkleboss, the co-founder of Gemini, uh, Gemini, posted an open letter on social media in an attempt to attract Barry Silbert, uh, the CEO of Digital Currency Group, in a statement published on Twitter, Winklevoss criticized Silbert for using bad faith stall tactics. Now, I am not familiar with what this is about. Um, if any if you have some insights on this because this is this is related to crypto. Winklevoss claims to have written on account of 340,000 Gemini earned customers. Uh, I guess I guess he's accusing uh accusing G, G, dcg of what malfeasance
2: so, yeah so i i can't tell you the different companies and stuff but i can give you kind of a just a general idea of what it's about it's about lending money is what hmm. it's about and so much of what was happening in the crypto world with ftx and other places is leverage it's, it's buying stocks or buying crypto with money you don't have so you borrow money from somebody then you buy them and you hope to come back later on and be able to you know pay off those loans and you've made a profit and it's just by definition it's highly risky we're talking um, people making eight or ten percent on their money by lending it to these platforms at a time when interest rates in the economy were one or two percent. Okay. That only happens if there's high risk involved. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what's happened here is when FTX came crashing down, so did a lot of these lending platforms. And from what I understand, that's the thing. That's what Gemini is all about. It, it, it's a lending platform. And, you know, now the people who borrowed a lot of that money don't have the money to pay it back which is why you have issues for these companies.
3: That's like a, a margin call?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except that it's all because it's crypto. Yeah. Instead of the brokerage lending you the money to go buy stocks and stuff, you have individuals who are saying, so I'll send them $30,000, they'll pay me 8% on my money, and then that $30,000 can be borrowed by somebody else to buy crypto. It's, it's done with private money instead of the brokerage firm's money.
1: Okay. All right. Well, it's it's more crypto mess, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: So uh, okay. maybe they
0: pay you back in crypto. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. You get more shares now. We're
0: gonna, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, now, see the other the other thing we've got on this is you know this idea that. You know, so many people are getting invested in crypto and and the wild wild west of all of this stuff. It at the same time, at least here in the U.S., we've got high inflation. We've got you know all of the all of the the back and forth discussions about you know ESG and where the where the where the real estate investments are. You know, we talk about BlackRock, we talk about Vanguard Group. You know, and then you know unemployment going up. You know, Amazon's laying off another eighteen thousand people. Vimeo is laying off twelve. I think I saw twelve percent of its workforce. Eleven percent. eleven percent. Mrs. Boss corrects me there. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> um, but you know, it's. It, it, I I don't want to be doom and gloom, but twenty twenty three is going to be really really hard, and and people are. I don't. I, I think, like what we had talked about earlier, there are the normal people out there, who are not paying attention to all of this stuff yet. Uh, you, know, you know, we talk about, the, the, you know, the Twitter files and those things that are dropping, and you know, I've said Elon is taking people through a process of discovery of just how depraved all of this stuff has been, and n- n- you've got you know this this issue now of. You know how this all affects the economy what does what does the ftx collapse do to everything else what does the cryptocurrency kerfuffle do to everything else what kind of economic impact does it have and yeah we're science fiction fantasy horror but when you talk about you know the economy and the entertainment district and how it affects you know what we do in the media and who's you know I don't have any discretionary income, so I'm not going to the movies. I'm not going to pay for my streaming services. All all of this stuff is interconnected. Just how bad is 2023 going to get?
3: Well, I
2: mean, there's that question always.
3: I, well, I, I mean, I think the prediction that the S&P drops to 3000 this year is right in the ballpark. Um, you know, just to give you one marker, you know, I think... I think that I think we're going to have I think we're going to have extensive uh, layoffs. I mean, we've already seen those that in, not just indicated, but that's in the process of happening. All that was being indicated that was going to happen even prior to the election. Yeah. Um, I I strongly suspect that we're going to see um, uh, corporations filing for restructure. I think one of those early signs, according to you know news this morning, is going to be Bed Bath and Beyond. And I I, like I said, I mean, those we're going to start seeing contraction of the economy in a way that probably none of us may have experienced. At least I don't think it's happened in my lifetime. I mean, I've been I've been around since, you know, Carter and that was flipping terrible.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: But, uh, you know, sorry, I'm trying to keep my language clean, but uh, it was not (laughs) good. (laughs) <laughs> and um i i don't know i mean my, my i'm feeling like we're on we're on the road to that kind of of financial disaster but you know what do you call that quantitative easing <laughs> I, I, if, I, I mean that's one of your guys' terms it's not something uh-huh. like, for me
1: it mean. almost it almost feels worse this time around because you have a lot of a lot of other things that are compounding because you have the pandemic you have your know, inner Energy prices and, and gas shortages were a thing back in '78, '79, and of course you had the hostage situation over in Iran. But there wasn't a pandemic in '78. There wasn't uh, there wasn't supply chain shortages in '78. You know, you had other things now that weren't a factor then, and I think this time around it's going to be even worse than it was yeah. during the Carter years. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, my argument could be we're already there, but I'd love to hear what Dan and then have to say.
1: Yeah,
2: I don't. I don't predict. Uh, that's just not part of what I do. I've, <laughs> I've been argument. wrong too many times and all that stuff. Uh, but, but you know, one of the interesting things is uh, you know that, that there have been some clips, some TikTok clips of of you know uh, employees at at these various tech companies and you know how little they actually do all day long and the ridiculous perks and stuff that they get and and what i would say is when those people get laid off there's no productivity loss at all. <laughs> okay, we, we can lose a whole bunch of those people without that actually affecting the economy in a big way. Now that doesn't apply to, you know, your typical factory or, you know, the, the retail and those kinds of issues and stuff. Uh, but I think with it, there's clearly been uh, excess uh, in the corporate sector. And uh, that is sort of the whole thing about recessions is, you know, they they aren't even as regular as they used to be, but, Typically, that's where you ring a lot of the excesses out of the out of the economy for a while. Um, I, I, we've already seen a pretty dramatic shift in the last year, um, and, and I'm not saying it's not going to come further. Uh, but I'm just going to say a lot of that excess, a lot of that government money, a lot of that kind of stuff uh, would probably be better off if we did ring it out of the economy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd, what percentage of uh, the workforce has Elon Musk laid off? It's around thirty percent at Twitter.
3: No, try again. Yeah,
0: 30. higher. Yeah, he's, oh, okay. he's, just saying he's higher. closer. Yeah. It's
3: closer to eighty-five percent now. Since oh, exactly. okay,
0: the door. Sorry, yeah, he,
3: his goal was seventy-five percent, and some of the people elected to no longer be there of their own volition. So, I mean, it's <laughs> can even you even have have a
2: yeah. can you imagine any other kind of business? that could eliminate 75% of its employees and still be a viable business. Yeah. I mean, what's that tell you about the contribution of those various employees, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just not a pretty picture. I there's just it yeah. just doesn't make sense. Well,
1: well see, over on our over on our Odyssey chat, I didn't have the live chat open. Canerd has says Binance uh our uh, Binance, Binance is also Binance. under fire for money laundering. So you've got that that in there as, as well, and you know and that kind of cycles back with the with the car the comparison to the Carter years. I don't know that we were sending a bunch of money to another country in order for them to send it back to us, um, in in donations and 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 considerations, Operations. right? The, yeah
3: the yeah. f the FTX scandal, like I said, I mean we we were we were just talking about the 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 zero hedge article which it's concisely brings everything together. Tyler Durden over there does a really good job, which is why of course he was kicked off of Twitter by the previous, you know, group of humans. But the reason the reason that that, that article is so is so good and if you can go find it you should, um, is because it, it it draws all these lines like how FTX is connected not just to obviously Disney which we've speculated on for a while, but they're connected to all of these other corps and they're conne- it's connected to where how money was essentially leaving this country via, you know, our aid package bologna sausage and how it was being then recycled and rec- and circulated in returned to the country it was more efficient than the way they'd been doing it before and if you don't think that they were doing it before and they aren't still doing it i don't know what to tell you but that's still happening it's just that was a very easy way to do it was through this crypto exchange and you know and you had a lot of different players involved which it makes it more difficult to follow money as it's being washed you know and it 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 shouldn't surprise anybody that he had a nice palatial location in the bahamas where he had a very comfy life you know and and you know all of these other things worked in conjunction to wash that money but it didn't just wash the money for the government that money was also going to a certain group of people through that type of service so just just consider that for a moment yeah. you know it was, there's a lot to it and it's well worth investigating it really is
1: it's a it's it's not quite as big a rabbit hole as the Wold Newton universe, but it's getting there. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, uh, you know, because one thing leads to the no- another thing to the next thing to the next thing, and then you're just like, how big is this thing actually? Right? Where where does this all spread out, and who all is involved, and how much gets affected by this stuff? Because I I have trouble wrapping my head around this idea that the collapse of one company could bring about the financial demise of an entire country you know and it kind of feels like it's that big I and mean, it's not quite that big yet but it kind of feels like we're headed in that direction depending on the players involved and and what the consequences are and and who lives and who dies and who goes to jail
3: yeah
1: and who doesn't well, but and
2: again there's a lot of fluff there man <laughs> A a lot of this whole crypto thing, I mean, I'm not, I am not anti-crypto, okay? I I mean, I I believe there is merit to Mm. the blockchain and to Mm. some of the currencies. I'm not anti that. But what I am going to say is there was an awful lot of hype, an awful lot of fluff involved there. Mm. and, And there was a lot of room for corrections and all that kind of stuff before it actually creates economic hardship. The people that have been hurt the worst by this are you know, the billionaires who had, you know, big chunks of money there, but of course they have plenty left. It's also the people who were, you know, something for nothing. Uh, I've got my $100,000 sitting in the bank and it's paying me 1%, and oh, by the way, I saw this thing on the Internet where I could take it to this place and they'll pay me 8% or 10%. Okay, well, that guy's $100,000 is probably gone forever.
3: Oh, no, it's definitely gone But
2: you and I would not have done that in the first place, right?
3: Right, because we don't have yeah. it to burn.
2: Well, <laughs> not just that. It's yeah. just it, it would not be something that most of us get involved in. Uh, those are the people who probably hurt the worst.
3: Yeah. Well, it, it, yeah, the the people who, like, blindly put all their eggs in a basket, I agree with you. It's just, but for me, crypto is more like gambling, right? It's, it, it was like, you know, going to the casino knowing that... Full no, water, no. You know, it, it, you know.
2: it, it is the Wild West today. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it won't be something, you know, stable... Right at some point in right. time but yeah. right today it is it is a lot like it's like any volatile market it is it's win or lose or die and that's what it was
3: yeah well i'm still invested in though i mean yeah. again, you know it is what it is yeah. uh, i've seen markets would nearly collapse and come right back and become even stronger and you know like you said i'm not i'm not going to be reactionary and freak out about everything you know, it's just, and I don't think anybody should do that. I think you should, you, you just, just evaluate where you are everywhere all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah. By the way, this, this just, I don't have the disclaimer typed in yet on the new, on the new 10, oh. 1080 thing, but we're just talking here. This is not official financial advice. <laughs> Consult with your attorney, your tax attorney, your accountant, your stuff. Um, somebody, somebody that's looking at possibly a rough 2023 is AMC theaters. Uh, They're they're having some trouble there. We've got uh, salary freeze for all the executives, and coming in the next few weeks, they're going to offer a co-branded Visa card for their Stubbs members. I guess they're hoping that they can make some money off of this. I don't know. But uh, it's, it's not looking good. And then you have the speculation about Cineworld, uh, and they're sitting there going, well, we're not going to sell anything to AMC. Is it, it, the movie theater business hurting more than anybody is possibly aware of at this point, do you
0: well, think? I was looking at the revenues earlier, and AMC or Box Office Mojo said 2019 revenues were $11 billion. In 2020, they were under two. Last year, they were $7, million. $7 billion, so they're moving up. What I thought was kind of interesting, the number one movie in 2020 was "Bad Boys for Life." Yes. I've never heard of it.
1: <laughs> that's that that's one of the, the Martin, number one movie. Martin Lawrence, Will Smith, right? Okay. The, that was it the was, last it, one. That that was,
3: yeah, that was that had the benefit of not being competing with the global crisis at the time. There were a few films that were benefit benefited from that. Long
0: one, I assume they were just sitting on their really good stuff until things got better. Like, then uh, it, it,
3: well, I don't know. I mean, Hammer was this year. <laughs> Have you seen anything really good, Matt? That's,
2: yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, we, we almost every weekend go through the list of the 25 mu- movies that are, you know, around us. So maybe we can catch something. And there are darn few weekends where we find something we want to watch. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and, yeah. and it's interesting, too. Uh, Mindy and I were talking about it the other day. This fa- The fact that post-pandemic, <clears throat> yeah, because every now and again you feel a little star crazy We've been here. You, you want to get out. And mood shifts, and you're you're in a funk, and, and you just don't want to do anything with anybody. But post-pandemic, it feels like, at least here, it's a lot easier for us to, to just stay home and not yeah. get out. And I don't want to have to deal with the hassle. It's not just, for me, it's, I don't want to deal with the crazy people. You know, I don't want to deal with people, just in general. But... It's the other, you know, have to have to drive somewhere, have to get out and go someplace, have to go through whatever it is that you've got to go through to do the thing, whether it's going to the restaurant or going to the movies or going to Walmart and, and, and or, or doing date night at Home Depot. Uh, it's it's one of the things where it's like, I just I just want to stay home. I just want to stay home where I can I can control my environment and I can control who comes into my bubble and i don't have to deal with all of you out there and and post pandemic i have to wonder if there are a lot more people out there like that and they don't go to the movie theaters anymore they don't go to the restaurants because they were conditioned not
3: to Okay. The, that that the entertainment trades talked about that for a while they said there are are just there's just going to be 20 to 30 percent of the audience that will never return to theaters
1: yeah
2: well, and I'll tell you the other thing that I see uh, is, and you know, I, I'm saying like an old fogey here. I, I guess I'm an old white guy, and I am an old white guy, so uh, you just have to discount what I say because that's what happens with old white guys. <laughs> but um, it's it's ridiculous what it costs to go to a show and stuff. Yeah, you know? I mean, seriously, bad. you talk about, you know, a date night, you're, you're talking 40, 50 bucks for two, two tickets to the show and maybe a thing of popcorn. And I mean that's not a big problem for me necessarily, but there are a ton of people out there. It's the same with a restaurant. Two people go to a restaurant; it can easily be seventy-five bucks, yeah. and that's not the high-end restaurant. That's just—I had a friend that said, "Oh my God, I hadn't been for a while. I took my mom and my sister to Subway, and it was sixty bucks for mm-hmm. the three of us." You know? Yeah that inflation thing it's real well <laughs> and, and it really does impact people's lives and as
1: as it's pointed out in the chat here from I, i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna botch this uh, mm. she <laughs> says in uh, in new york they've made the movie experience unaffordable for a family and ms said it's happening in the small towns too i mean you can't even you can't even go and do anything anymore because it costs too much
3: well, when Cardi B is out there making a TikTok talking about the fact that she monitors her household expenses because rich people should know what their money is being spent too, she said she discovered that she was paying three times as much for groceries. So she personally went to the grocery store and found out that a head of lettuce is now three times more expensive than it was just a couple of years ago.
2: Oh, funny how that works. You get
3: yeah. what you vote <laughs> for.
2: That's absolutely uh-huh. right
1: well and and you know we do that here Mindy has been uh, you know she's got she's got the lists, you know this this store it's this price and this store it's this price and at Sam's it's this price and at, at Costco it's this price and over here is this and we have this list and you know it's a comparative thing well mm-hmm. well beans are beans are less at this store rice is less at this store that type of thing and you know, every week we're looking at okay, what what do we stock up on? You know, I've, I've I've got I've got my stash, you know, and we're looking at okay, what do we get now that we can afford? Because you're right, the prices have gone up. I mean, the cost of meat, especially, has has just blown through the ceiling, and we're always looking okay, where what's on sale this week? Right, and you know, uh, last uh, I guess. In the course of a year, year and a half, you know, a brisket at Costco went from 50 to 120 for the Absolutely. same size.
3: I was like, this Absolutely. is crazy.
1: And and everything's going up. Canned goods, fruits and vegetables, everything. And some of it's supply chain stuff, some of it's energy costs, some of it's employment and labor. You don't have enough people to get the work done. You don't have enough resources to transport and move the product.
2: And, but, if and you, but if you don't have enough, I mean, food is non-discretionary. Okay? Right. Which food you get, that has some discretion to it, right. but we all need food. Yeah. Going to the show on Friday night or going out to dinner on Saturday... That's that's discretionary. No. if you're spending all your money on food, you aren't going to do it.
1: Well, and the other thing too, and I, I see the lovely Sherry has joined us in the chat. Welcome to the program. I think this is the first time the lovely Sherry has been in the chat. That's uh, that's uh, good. that's good to see. But the other the other part of this is you, if you if you go in, and you're buying this stuff, and it's not on the shelves anymore, it's gone. Then people start to they they start to panic. Where's yeah. where's my where's my, where's my, my ranch dressing, my toilet paper, my paper towels, my, my, my tissues and my ketchup and my now suddenly the meat's not there. But I also saw um, a concern f- because with the economy being the way it is and inflation going up and the Fed deciding well maybe we raise interest rates again one or two or three or four times. And Independent family farms are going to be hit pretty hard because they take out loans in order to pay for the food for their cattle, for their, oh. for their livestock, or their you know, whatever supplies or resources they have to get the farm going in the spring. And yep. when, the, when the, the, the call comes due they got to pay off that loan if the interest rates are, are too high a lot of a lot of these family farms are going to get hurt by that and maybe go under. And so all what are we left with is all corporate stuff.
3: Well, that's actually the goal. But I mean, yeah. let's set that aside, you know, and we'll we'll talk we'll talk quickly about how you know individuals can can combat that. Obviously, you and I both Jason have backyard garden investments, right? Mine I'm about to quadruple the size of my investment in my home farm. You know, my urban farm, right? <laughs> because to me, I want to be, uh, you know, a market garden. You know just as because i don't have enough to do you know between all the things right. i made during the course of the day i want to actually go out and you know to create an opportunity to go to a farmer's market and in and, and say you know what i have an extra 200 heads of lettuce that i grew over the course of the last six weeks so you know it didn't cost me hardly anything to do the seeds are it, it, they seeds become seeds you just let things go to seed you have more seeds yep. but anyway so it just you can you can repeat this cycle a zillion times over and do it for way less than that and i think you're going to see a lot more market farms out there to combat the food prices but they have to be able to do it or willing to do it at a rate that's less than the grocery and if you do that you win and and and, and the same thing is when you see um, uh, right now we're seeing an explosion in lamb population and 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 sheeps sheep, sheep and, and, and lamb are being grown in the united states in, in a, in a a, a greater rate because they're cheaper than cattle. Cattle are expensive right. to, to, to maintain in a, in a, in a small area. So you're seeing more and more of that. So I think you're going to start to see like that change and shift some of the competition in the marketplace. And you're going to see, you know, replacements for cattle. And while that's going to hurt the cattle farms, the cattle farms can sh- shift to any of these other meat products and meat right, meat as right. well. Yeah. So, you know, and, and then, I mean, all you, know, you, you just need something to go and mow the lawn. That's, you know, that's <laughs> you <laughs> so what your you lawn get goats for. It yeah so it's just like yeah it's just it's a different way and I and like I said that that can actually subvert and this is my whole idea of subverting some of these things that we're being manipulated into we can subvert it as as individuals by replacing the corporate stuff and yeah. and it's not that hard to do and and that's one of the reasons why the fDA is underhandedly trying to um make you register it's not it's not the fda it's um excuse me it's uh usda yeah, no FDA. yep yeah, well, it's one yeah. of the federal organizations, and I'm, I'm confusing it right now, but it's one of these federal, they want you to register your garden. Well, F you. I'm not registering <laughs> your garden. i not <laughs> my garden. Yeah, I'm not so, doing that. You want to know where the food is, and so you can yeah. regulate me, because you don't yeah. want me to be able to feed myself and others. That's bologna sausage. Anyway, those are my thoughts on that.
1: Ladies and gentlemen. Our our Money Talk edition has quickly morphed into Sorry. our Fahrenheit nineteen eighty four edition. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, 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 that's <laughs> and see, and that's and that's the thing is, it's all connected. You know, it's you know, our, our our entertainment media and our news media and our government and our economy and the banks and the and the and the restaurants and everything that we do in our in our our social so social spheres. Right. All of this is impacted by each other. You know, one one decision gets made over here, and it affects how you do this other thing over there. And it's and a, we we go off on tensions and stuff, but it's all it's all connected. Yeah, and it, it affects it, what you know, it affects what
3: the well, studios man. are
1: able to do and what we're able to do as people.
3: Yeah, and and, and look, I'm joined here by three gentlemen that I I, I appreciate being hanging out with because I I feel like you know I'm the idiot it's in the bunch. I think that the people that recognize patterns, right? Pattern recognition is key. Because when you're when you're being analytical and you're trying to break things down and your, your expectation of where things are going to head and don't head, you become really good at recognizing those patterns. And I I mean, when I see a pattern, I'm like, well, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And if, if it's a bad thing, how do I subvert that? And I think more people should think that way. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I think the other thing that's important, uh, everything is connected, but there are always winners and losers. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the thing, is even when things go to hell, there are some people out there that are doing great. And, and that's just, it's the nature of having a diverse economy, a diverse population, a diverse everything, is that there are always winners and losers, and there are always people who are doing good, and there are always people who are stumbling. Um, and, and regulating that stumbling is part of, you know, what government's supposed to be about. Um, anymore, I'm not sure that uh, they have a very good handle on that. But, but I think there's good news to be seen
0: if you're looking.
3: Sure. Yeah, no, you're right. There are always winners and losers. The problem yeah. is, is the winners are the ones that are going against the pattern. And well, that's they're okay with selling right. out their well, fellow man. But that's let
1: me let me ask you this. If if Amazon is going to be a winner or a loser because it looks like they're talking about bringing Jeff Bezos back as CEO just like Disney did with Bob Iger, who yeah. wins and who loses in this deal? Because Amazon did quite well during the pandemic.
2: Well, this is you know this is a big there's a big history of this with with entrepreneurs. I mean, Steve Jobs did it several different times, and you know it, it, it's on the one hand you want the freedom that comes with turning the company over to professional managers, mm-hmm. and then you can get on to doing the things you want. On the other hand, is those professional managers are rarely as good at it as you were, <laughs> and so mm. at some point it's possible that the phone's going to ring and they're going to go, "Can you come straighten this place out for a while?" Um, it's, it's not
3: uncommon. Yeah. By yeah. the way,
1: stock check real quick on Disney, ninety-one seventy-eight a share.
3: Yeah. It, it had a little bounce today. That'll go back down. <laughs> I, do, do do we see
1: do we see a possibility of hitting 75 75 will it go, will it drop that low at all I, this I year I called the
3: bottom at 86 I might have been wrong you know yeah. but it, but we'll see I mean it they could people could ignore everything bad happening there right now that, and all of the bad news they are about to get in the next quarterly right um the only thing that they're going to positively be able to report on would be the avatar earning you know earnings numbers cuz it might approach 2 billion or be at 2 billion but yeah, I do think saw, it's going to save the day Yeah,
2: I saw a really interesting or heard a really interesting story the other day somebody had done a study and they said that uh, and it goes along with what we were talking about a little bit ago um, that the average family of four who goes to spend a week at uh, at Disney World you're up to over five grand now for mm-hmm. a week at Disney World basically mm-hmm. for a family of four but the, here's the, the really interesting that's You know, that's ridiculous. But the really interesting point was that something like half of all people who did it basically borrowed the money to do it. Okay, so put it on cards and stuff. And of them, something like 80% were tickled to death with the expense. That, yeah, I borrowed $5,000 to take my kids to Disney World and everything, but I'd do it again if I had to. You know, it's just, it's an interesting comment, I think, on our culture and society, that even when it's gotten ridiculous to spend money on stuff like that, people are still doing it, even if they have to borrow to do it. That's crazy.
3: That actually flies in the face of some recent studies that say that 80% of visitors are irritated and angry with Disney for these.
2: (laughs) Well, I would be part of that group probably (laughs) Years years since I've been there. But it's it's still a rite of passage for a lot of young families. Well, that's, it's, it's a it's a big deal. I don't quite understand it, but it is.
3: But is that a singular sure. visit? I mean, that's, yeah. that's 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 all they're they're fine with that singular visit and that expense. Uh, I
2: don't know the answer to that. Can Maybe.
3: Disney yeah. can can Disney afford that? Would be the next question. And 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 the other problem is, can Disney afford to alienate the fifty plus childless? You know, the empty nesters like they have been doing recently because those have been that that has made up nearly 50 percent of their park attendees is specifically at their us-based parks so can they afford that can they afford to alienate those customers because you're looking at this is a weird number i know but you saw an immediate six to 17 percent increase across the board for just food items between the time that they closed down because of the global crisis and the time that they reopened you know, yeah. they eventually jumped over twenty percent and now they are they're somewhere closer to thirty five percent in price increases just in food and beverage across the property. That's since twenty nineteen. The
0: the,
2: the story that I saw also made the point, and I'm not going to get these numbers right, so I'm just going to give you a disclaimer right up front, but it was close to this, that a day pass at Disney World when it opened years ago was three and a half bucks. Now a day pass is something like 125. But weirdly, had it just paced inflation over the years, it'd be something like 40 or 50 bucks. So there's way outpaced inflation. No, that's
1: not weird at all, given it's yeah. like uh, how can we how can we you know milk everybody for uh, everything we can.
3: Do you do you realize that the cost of parking at Disney World was from <laughs> three to twenty five dollars, and if you if you get the preferred parking, it's fifty. That
2: doesn't surprise me. You know what, was the Chiefs games? games.
3: Yeah, yeah prefer- I was gonna
2: say <laughs> it's what six sixty at the Chiefs game on the Sunday, Chiefs I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's crazy, yeah but, is that parking is that parking space worth sixty bucks?
2: Well, no. yeah, not much alternative. No. It's all relative, you know. That, that's
3: it's, that's why
1: anytime I go out there, I have a media pass. <laughs> it's yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't yeah. have any reason to go out there otherwise. No, yeah.
3: it's insane. I it like is. you said, I just I look at those cost expenses, and again, I mean, you know, my family had been deeply invested in in Disney well before I was born, no. and you know, I grew up in. Disney essentially, and I, I'm I'm always I'm always amazed at just how angry I am at them, that. and that's because it's because of that. it's yeah. because I again I mean I was I, I mean my mother was brought up at Disney, you know, so it's just it's it's this really weird place to be where you you carry all that anger for just how betrayed you feel by okay. in a, by a, a corporation, right? And that's and I, I'm not the only one feeling that, and there are a lot more people getting to feel that way. So it's worse than apathy. It's it, it, that that's an, that's a point of anger that I don't think Disney can afford to continue to stoke. But hey, I could be
1: Well, and I think at some point the anger becomes uh, becomes indifference, and at that yeah. point Disney Disney completely loses and they don't come back.
3: Well, look at their animation properties, and I know we're wildly tangenting here left and right <laughs> and careening everywhere, but I'll just say that um, their animation they haven't been on top for four years they've been beaten out by universal every single time the two studios at universal are beating out the two studios at disney and that's not going to change anytime soon and it doesn't matter that disney ruled the box office this year with their 16 features that were released under their various nameplates for 4.9 billion dollars that's that's great those numbers are fantastic except for one thing you didn't make any money on any of those things that's right yeah
1: All right. Well, uh, that uh, I will, we'll will let Kelly. All right, we went done. from Amazon
3: to Iger, and in the reason hey, we did you know, because in the article, that's well, it's all in
1: there. No, it's all in there. And and as we wrap up, I will I will say this: uh, the official, at by my count. The uh, the air quotes count I think is at three
3: culture so you're slacking. I, I, you're slacking. I reduced the air quotes on this time. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that my I saw that I was air quotes on the thumbnail. so yeah, I'm all, I mean, mean <laughs> I mean
1: that's that's your signature move now. Other than you know the hair, I'm, but I'm know. confined by this little box. You mean this little box? <laughs> I give I give you the whole
3: billions <laughs> of
1: billions. Yeah. Okay, and it would just do right down here. Little little rabbit ears, you know, up. Little Bunny foo-foo, remember that that little Oh gosh, there? I
3: do. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> old. Holy cow, am I old? <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. All right, so that's going to do it for us today. And of course, you know, this is just talk. Uh, any any oh, yeah. serious consideration that you want to do with regard to your finances, uh, talk to your accountant, talk to your tax lawyer, talk to, to whoever your experts are. Um, and let's go around the room, and let's start with Matthew. Where can people find all of you doing all of your things? And I know, Matthew, you've yeah, they, you're they pretty much have to walk into
0: my office, but uh, I don't want <clears throat> to really consider this advertising, so uh, so I had to stay anonymous. So.
1: <laughs> Dad?
2: Yeah, my best uh, family investment center is the name of the company, but I also have a website called Ask Dan Danford, where you can uh, submit questions and I'll try to answer them as best you can. So I'm easy to find. Just look around for me. It's Dan Danford. And Culture?
3: Uh, all I'll say is just throw a rock and you'll probably find me <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
1: Yeah, uh, Culture Casino has a, has a channel of his own as well on YouTube and uh, is on frequently on Midnight's Edge, which is not on Thursdays, so we're not competing which is good (laughs) so uh anyway that's gonna do it for us today folks thanks very much for the very active chat uh don't forget you connect with us on discord the memberships are now active so you can join the channel if you want to do that and memberships are available both on youtube and odyssey so uh, you can do that and uh tomorrow we've got open line friday uh, so you can join us for that and then tonight you know since i mentioned i mentioned we did uh, h2o on tuesday night we've got a little bit of a change in the lineup uh h2o is now on tuesdays which means we had to move the ranker pit so the ranker pit is tonight Uh, Is going to go on Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 central. And tonight we'll be talking about the return of the Bad Batch. The first two episodes of the new season dropped yesterday. So we'll be discussing that. And then, of course, on Saturday, uh, we're back with Good Morning Multiverse at 11 a.m. Eastern with the week's headlines in science fiction fantasy horror. And uh, at some point I will get this graphic out to every uh, all of our social media so you can catch the schedule uh, as we get this done because we're trying we are appointment television so we want to make sure that you know when all of our stuff drops and speaking of the social media you can find us on all these different uh, social media accounts channels video channels discord newsletter you can sign up for all that good stuff so there is all of that and that's it thank you very much for being here folks don't forget to uh share the link give us a thumbs up on your way out and we'll be back to do all of this tomorrow remember it is your money it's your vote don't let them tell you any different there are four lights
0: this has been a presentation of sci-fi for me.com copyright 2023 by flaming dog media LLC all rights reserved no portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of flaming dog media you're listening to sci-fi for me radio